Good morning, everyone. I am Pastor Carl. Oh, wow, that was, that was pretty good. The earlier chastisement did something for you, huh? All right, so live stream, welcome to you, Grand Blank Campus, Mwah, all of that good stuff. So I have a ton of ground to cover in a very little bit of time. So you're good if we just like get into this. I'll do like the who will give me two minutes joke right up front and you guys can give me like 20 minutes afterwards. So, all right, so mining your mind. The last time I was up here last month, uh, it was what you think about God, what you think about you. And drawing that connection between uh, how we think about God reflects on how we think about ourselves. And so this month, this time, whatever it is, I want to get into uh, what we think about God, what we think about each other, and drawing that connection between what you think about God actually flows into how you view other people, okay? (sighs) We know them well, don't we? It's... uh, I am personally offended by these bugs. Like, I don't know about you guys, but like I'll come home and I walk in the kitchen door and there's just like one on the counter. And that's, I don't, I don't want to kill it. What I want to do is like take a glove off and like smack it in disrespect. Like, how dare you just be on my counter at home? You know, like it's, the, these things are everywhere, right? Like they are literally everywhere right now. We'll go to something a little more pleasant. Oh, like he should have a bottle of Coke with him or something. <laughs> I personally identify with bears. So, <laughs> so the Jungle Book's one of my favorite movies. I love the Jungle Book, the cartoon one, like the old school one. And when Baloo takes that tree and like pulls it out of its roots and uses it as a back scratcher, I'm like... Goals, man. (laughs) Goals, for real. Oh, Flipper, right? Little dolphin. I don't really remember Flipper except for like Nick at night. But, you know, like dolphins are smart, right? Like everybody talks about how smart dolphins are and cool and beautiful and all that good stuff. This is a chimpanzee. Do you know that a chimpanzee like DNA-wise, chromosomally, you know what I'm trying to say, is like the closest animal to us. So notwithstanding, you know, like we see little traits. You know, movies have done a great job of like bambifying animals where we're like, oh, they're like humans. But notwithstanding some of those common traits we see in there, animals have two jobs, survive, reproduce. That's it. You don't, you don't see like packs of gazelles when like a lion is chasing them. All the other gazelles are like, bye. <laughs> once, once that lioness like keys in on that one man, woo, all the rest are like, sorry, Jim. we got to survive we got to keep the species going 
And if you and I are not careful, that is how we treat each other. Are we animals? Sure. But there's something different about us. There's something incredibly different about us. Um, G.K. Chesterton, this quote right here. I'm going to read it. I, the, I don't know if you guys have ever read The Everlasting Man, but it, it's, you have to read each chapter like three times. And you'll see after I read this. We can accept a man as fact if we are content with an unexplained fact. We can accept him as an animal if we can live with a fabulous animal. But if we must needs have sequence and necessity, then indeed we must provide a prelude and crescendo of mounting miracles that ushered in with unthinkable thunders in all the seven heavens of another order, a man may be an ordinary thing. I know. You're like, what? (laughs) You are not ordinary. And what this quote does is it takes two contrasting things, an unexplainable fact, a wondrous animal, and to declare in all the heavens that you're simply ordinary. You are not ordinary. You are not an animal. And so your primary job is not merely to reproduce and survive. Your primary job is to be an image bearer of God. You are the only image bearer of God. Only There is nothing else in creation like you. And if we're not careful, if we don't see each other that way, we will treat each other like animals. Humanity is supremely unique amongst every living creature. And if you and I fail to see each other as image bearers of Yahweh, I'm going to say Yahweh a lot throughout this. God is a title. Yahweh is his name. So if someone came up to you and they were like, person, what's up? <laughs> you know? No, you're John and you're Sue and you're Bill and you're Tina and you're whatever your name is. So I'm going to use God's actual name this morning, if that's all right with you guys. You are an image bearer of Yahweh. And if we don't see each other that way, if we don't think about each other that way, we will treat each other like we're animals. When someone has a different political bend than you, when someone views something more passionately amongst the church body, and, and I believe that this is a disconnect that we have right now in that that person is not an image bearer of God. They are an enemy. And that is not true regardless of whether they know Christ or not. We have to see each other as image bearers of Yahweh and treat each other as such. Because if I don't do that, if I don't think about God correctly, that is going to be reflective in how I think about people. 
And if I don't think of people as an image bearer of God, then I don't have the relationship that maybe I think I have. Your understanding of others is intricately bound to your understanding of who God, who Yahweh is. Intricately bound. I love God. I just don't like people. Oh, sweetheart. Let's get into this. So, <laughs> Luke chapter 10, we're like, oh, we're going here this morning, y'all. <laughs> but wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So Jesus replies and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. Then they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to an innkeeper and said, take care of him. And whatever you need to sp- oh, sorry, and whatever you need to spend when I return, I got into it with the scripture, you know, like it. <laughs> I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor, be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, "The one who showed mercy towards him." Then Jesus said to him, "Go and do the same." Now, let me paint the picture of what's happening here. You know, this is, um, this is right after Jesus says, I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And so these teachers come to him and say, well, who's my neighbor? Because who knows we love to push the limits. Why well, do I have to love? But who exactly do I love? And how am I supposed to love them? And some of us don't ask that question from genuine places of curiosity. We ask it to figure out what is the least amount that we can do in regards to others and ourselves. And so this picture now gets painted where Jesus is like, you know, this, this whole, these holy people that you would think were the ones that should take care of this, that should show love, walked around. And a Samaritan, who at the time, when, like when I'm painting a picture of a person that is absolutely, ugh, to Jews, it's a Samaritan. So that a Samaritan would come and help this person, bandage up those wounds personally, Give two denarii. One denarii was a year's worth of wages. So this man, this Samaritan, gave that innkeeper two years worth of wages so that this person could recover. And Jesus asked, well, who's the neighbor? And I can picture this teacher. The one that showed mercy. Because what choice do you have to say there, right? 
That man saw an image bearer on the ground. That man saw a person in need on the ground and didn't just throw money at it to take care of it. He got in the dirt with him. He got in the dirt with him. John chapter four, 1 John chapter 4, we love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also. If you say, I love God, but you don't like people, you don't love God. This isn't me saying this. This is scripture. You can feel free to turn to 1 John chapter 4. And the amount of people that I've come across, and even myself at times in this life, that have said, man, I love God. I just, you know, my, my problem is with people. No. No, it's not. If you and I love God, the heart of God is reflected in loving people, in loving your neighbor as yourself, in us seeing past the nose on our faces. That is loving God. I cannot say I love God and hate my neighbor and hate my brother and hate my sister. And some of you may be out there saying, well, what does hate mean? And who's my brother? Like we just talked about this. Please don't put limits on this stuff. Please don't try to justify away who you and I are supposed to love because how you view God is intricately bound to how you view other people. And if you have a problem with people, your disconnect is not with people. Your disconnect's with the Father. It is. If how you view yourself is less than, your disconnect is not with you. It's with the Father. You, you, you and Yahweh don't have the relationship that you think you have if how you think about you and how you think about others is lacking. And I'm not saying that from a place of condemnation. I'm saying that in a place of fix it. Fix it. Ask God. Like sometimes I feel like we have our minds, we think we have our minds wrapped around this infinite God. You and I are finite beings. We, we, Job says that we know but the fringes of him. You know the little string of the t uh, 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 on the tassel that's attached to the train of his robe on him that fills the heavens. That's how much we know of him. You cannot have God figured out. I cannot have God figured out. So let's not try to limit him in this. God, Yahweh, has his frustrations with people. Please don't, like, like God is like always like, 
you know, skipping through, I can't skip, but, you know, skipping through the, you know, the garden, popping the heads off of dandelions, like, I love people so much. Like, that's not the picture. There are the times where Jesus was like, how long do I have to be with these people? Jesus literally said that. They're arguing in the back. Who's the greatest? And Jesus is like, me. <laughs> the times where God's anger like burned with people so please don't misunderstand like God has his issues with people he had his he has his issues with us but those issues are covered through Christ his his love for people is part of his identity You cannot love him and not love others. You can't. For God so loved the world. We love that verse, right? Those words were spoken after Adam's cataclysmic choice. Those words were spoken after Cain murdered his brother. Those words were were spoken after David seduced an innocent wife on the rooftop and had her husband murdered. They came after evil kings and corrupted prophets. God so loved you after some of the worst atrocities that people did in his name. Why? Because loving you is a part of who he is. Loving you is a part of who he is. And that is why Christ came. And that is why there is a way from sin and death to life in him. Because he loves you and he loves people. For God so loved the world was spoken after some of the worst things that we love to point to in scripture. Live together, die alone. Man, I love Lost. That's one of my favorite shows. I, I could like sit, I think I've watched the whole series through like eight times. I know. I'm a pastor, right? All I have time to do is read the Bible. <laughs> and watch Lost, apparently. <laughs> well, there's this episode, uh, it's Live Together, Die Alone. And the basic wording that they say is if we can't live together, we're going to die alone. And I know that's an extreme, but I want to point out, I love Spurgeon, great preacher, incredible mind. Um, Satan always hates Christian fellowship. It is his policy to keep Christians apart. Anything which can divide saints from one another, he delights in. He attaches far more importance to godly intercourse than we do. Since union is strength, he does his best to promote separation. So painting this picture, like God loves people, man. Part of God's identity is loving people. That is part of who he is. You are an image bearer of God, and our view, how we view God, is intricately bound to how we view people. So let's get into the church now. Let's do that first. Much has been spoken over the last year about the church and about its unity and what we're passionate about, what we're not. 
1 Corinthians chapter 12. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. Oh, man, I read that and didn't go to the next slide. There you go. Well, you got that one. There are people in this room that have the gift of prophecy. And there are people in this room that have the gift of wisdom and the gift of knowledge. And there are people in this room that are passionate about racial justice. And there are people in this room and people watching who are passionate about the poor. And there are people in this room and people watching that are passionate about missions and passionate about and passionate about and passionate about. And once again, an infinite God allows all of us to be passionate about the things that we are passionate about. And when we try to pigeonhole Christianity into that one issue, that one class, that one party, that one thing, we do a disservice to the infiniteness of God. We do a disservice to the complete identity of Yahweh because we try to make him into one thing. And he is not the same way you are not. There are people in here, there's a myriad of passions. There's a myriad of callings in this room. Things have, that God has asked you to do. Gifts that God has given you that he hasn't given to anybody else. Or, or to just a few. And if I summarily dismiss those things because it's not what I'm passionate about or because this is the way it's been done for so long up until this point. I, I know that it's kind of a crazy time right now, but let me express the time that we live in. It is a time where we can re-examine anything. Church, the world is your oyster. Just because we did something for 70 years doesn't mean we have to do it that way anymore. Just because something was one way for however long it's been doesn't mean that it doesn't have to be scrutinized. Because when we scrutinize things, we can come out on the other side with a stronger conviction that those things are correct. Let me tell you something. You're watching there. You guys are watching here. Questions are okay. Questions are okay. Questioning everything is okay as long as what you're doing is searching for the answers, not trying to just tear something down for the sake of tearing it down. Questions are wonderful and beautiful and from the most minute, minuscule thing to God himself. Do you know God welcomes questions not about his identity? How many of you have sat in here and wondered why? Why, God? That's okay. It's okay to ask God why. 
It's okay to question if the way that we viewed scripture over the course of however many long is still okay today. And if we come out with a yes and amen on the other side of that, awesome. It's okay. We live in a day and age when things are being scrutinized. Let God be God. Let the word be the word. And if we view it differently, if we come out on the other side of it, knowing that some things that were interpreted mean something different to us, but are still true to the identity of who God is, that's okay. I'm not saying go against the word. I'm not saying to not listen to scripture. I'm saying that it's okay to view things through the eyes of how other people view them because maybe we get a more complete picture of scripture and God because of it. John 13. Little children, I'm with you a little while longer. You'll seek me, and as I said to the Jews now, I'll also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The world will know that you belong to God by how you love the people across the aisle from you. The world will know how you love, well, that you belong to God by how you love the people that walk outside those doors with you, whether you know them or not, regardless of whatever they said on Facebook or not, regardless of the view, the party, the whatever that's different than you or not. If we are at war with each other, that world will not know that we belong to him. I'm not talking about calling out sin within the confines of relationship. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is planting our flags in the things that we think Christianity should stand for. We all have that. We all have the passions that we think are most important. We all have the things that we believe will make this country great or not great. We all have that. That is not what we plant the flag of Christianity in. And if we do that, and we push to the side other image bearers of Yahweh because of it, we're not doing it right. As God, Yahweh, is a being differing parts in community Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So you and I were created being different from each other to operate together in community in order for the world to know him. God is differing parts. And yet, they operate in this beautiful accord, in perfect community. And so you and I are supposed to do the same. Your understanding of, I'm going to keep pounding this, your understanding of others is intricately bound to your understanding of who God, who Yahweh is. Last part. Piano, you can come on up. 
win the lost at any cost that doesn't cost us our beliefs. How many of you have heard that a lot at this point, right? It's awesome, right? It's, it's great. Win the lost at any cost that doesn't cost us our beliefs. So there's uh, two missionaries. Some of you may have heard this story. But uh, they had a heart to go to a different land. And uh, found out last minute they couldn't. Absolutely couldn't. Wasn't allowed. The only uh, ships that were allowed to this land were slave ships. So what they did was they sold themselves into slavery so that they could go to this other land. And while that ship was sailing away, family members crying, saying goodbye, knowing they're probably never going to see these two men again, this is the words that they said. May the lamb that was was slain receive the reward of his suffering. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward for his suffering. That two free men would sell themselves into slavery because they believed that the heart of God was for the lost. They believe that God has a heart to reconcile people who don't belong to him yet to him, to make what was dead alive. And we talk about the church, but now I want to talk to you about the world. Ezekiel chapter 33, say to them as I live, this is Israel crying out, God, we're dying in our sin. Where are you? And here's him saying to them, as I live, declares the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But rather that the wicked would turn from his ways and live, turn back, turn back from your evil ways. Why then will you die, O house of Israel? And you, son of man, say to your fellow citizens, the righteousness of a righteous man will not deliver him in the day of his transgression. And as for the wickedness of the wicked, he will not stumble because of it in the day when he turns from his wickedness. Whereas a righteous man will not be able to live by his righteousness on the day when he committed sin. When I say to the righteous, he will surely live, and he so trusts in his righteousness that he commits iniquity, none of his righteous deeds will be remembered. But in that same iniquity of his which he has committed, he will die. What this is saying is that God takes no pleasure in the death of people who are separated from him. And if you are righteous and you lean on that righteousness in order to sin, that doesn't matter. And if you are wicked your entire life and you repent, God will bring you into reconciliation with him. The heart of God is for the lost. And we say in this church, win the lost at any cost that doesn't cost us our beliefs. And it is a wonderful value to aspire to, but are we doing it? Are we going for the lost? Are you inviting people into this building? Am I telling people about Jesus in the grocery store with my coworkers, with my family? This is not a Christian country club. There is no membership dues here. There's no privilege. You don't get 25% off at the cafe because you went to the membership class. This is the body of Christ. 
the body of Christ. I cannot hide behind this and claim that I tell people about Jesus because somebody invites their unsaved friend to watch online or sit in these chairs and I say, I've told somebody about Jesus. Pastors, leaders, staff in this room, we cannot hide behind our positions. Yes, we do stuff here, but there's a world outside of these four walls that need to know who Jesus is. Come into this building. Yes, get encouraged. Yes, get fueled up so that you could go back out there and show a world that doesn't know who Jesus is, the love of our Father. That's what we do. That's what we do. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. As people who do not believe in Jesus are not godless heathens deserving of our scorn. They are sons and daughters separated from a loving father and it's our job to show them how to get there. If these people stop the behavior that they're doing in this world, do you know what they still are? Lost. If they switch to the party you want them to switch to, do you know what they still are? Lost. If they stop doing the thing you want them to stop doing and start doing the thing you want them to stop doing, do you know what they still are? Lost. They can stop all the behaviors in the world, stop all the ideologies that you and I don't like, but if they don't know Jesus, they're dying and going to hell. So congrats on the new behavior, but they don't know Jesus. That's our job, to show Jesus to a world that desperately needs to see them. And whether they belong to the Father or not, they are image bearers of God. They are image bearers of Yahweh. And it is our job, as saved, as found, to help them be alive in Christ. Stand to your feet. I hope I didn't whoop you too bad. Whoop myself. <laughs> so there is a couple of us. Um, dude, I'm so sorry you've been playing so long. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple of us talking one day. And... Uh, talking about different people a couple years and years ago. I can't even say a couple years ago at this point. But, uh, you know, you get into the mocking and joking like people do, not excusing it, just telling the truth. And a bunch of us were talking and 
we're talking about people, we're talking about a person. And I felt the Holy Spirit just rear one. You ever like feel it coming? (laughs) But how do I see them? Not how do you see them? How do I see them? And that has stuck with me ever since. The, the, the stories that I could tell you of the things and people that we can deal with here, the heartbreaking, the stupidity, and everything in between that I have the temptation to judge all around. But that is the question that I have to ask myself daily. Not how do I see them? What do I think about what they do? How does God see them? How does God see believer or somebody that's not a believer around you? How does God see them? And I would ask that you ask that question throughout your week. How does God see people? Dig into scripture. How does God see people? How am I supposed to see my family? How am I supposed to see that one who wronged me? How am I supposed to see the one I've wronged? Yeah, that's all I got this morning. Father, thank you uh, for being a God who is so committed to himself that you are so committed to people. I know that sounds weird, but the only standard for people, the only love for people then is, is you, is your love. You don't bow to us. You don't bow to what we feel like is right or, or wrong. Or The only standard is you, God. But I, I pray that you would help us to think outside of the horizons of what's taught within church culture or what has always done, God. And, and if those things line up when they're scrutinized, awesome. But I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to see your standards for sin and your standards for redemption and your standards for love, God, not our own, not our own. I pray for a blessing over these people, blessing over the people watching. Fill them with love for you and let that flow out into other people as they view each other as image bearers of you. It's in your name we ask. Amen. Have a great morning, everyone. Uh, Thank you. Ten by tens. If you have no idea who Jesus is, you're watching or here, love to talk to you afterwards.